Welcome, everybody. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino, and it's always a pleasure to speak to this man. He's a regular on the show. You can read his stuff at UFC.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Damon Martin. He is Damon Martin joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Damon, how's it going, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah, always always good to talk to you. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on a few things here before we get into the card that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, give me a thought on the return of Uriah Faber. Uriah is one of my favorite people, man. I, I don't think you could find just a nicer, down-to-earth, cool guy in the in the sport of MMA. He's, he's just a really cool guy. At the same time, I don't, I'm not excited about seeing him back in the cage. I, you know, just seeing guys that I, that I really enjoyed watching in their prime when they're, I mean, the guy's 40 years old now. He's fighting in his hometown. I get it, but what's to be gained, I guess? He he went out on a win in his last fight. What, what do you think of him uh, taking another fight? Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to be the guy to tell somebody not to do what you love and not to follow your, your hopes and dreams of, like, doing what you love in your career. But, yeah, I mean, it, 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 Uriah Faber coming back is just further evidence that no one really stays retired in mixed martial arts. I mean, he was a guy who retired off a win, as you mentioned, kind of had that kind of, you know, that kind of highlight moment of his career going out in Sacramento, his hometown, big win. And, and Uriah financially is a guy who's pretty stable. I mean, he's a guy who has invested in a lot of businesses. He has his gym. I mean, he's not a guy who's hurting for money. Uh, he's a pretty successful guy, pretty successful businessman, but you know, once again, we see a situation where a guy just can't give up his career, whatever it is. It's the passion. It's the it's the competition. Whatever it is that drives people, he, he's another example of people who just can't give it up. And, you know, I, I wish him the best. I hope he comes back and has a, a you know, great uh, fight against Ricky Simone, and I hope he does what he wants to do. But, you know, typically these stories never really end very well when a guy goes away for a couple of years and then decides to come back as Uriah is now 40. Uh, and it never usually ends very well for them. Now, I haven't heard him speak on this. I'm sure he's done some interviews. But is his goal to get back in it and start chasing that title again? Or is it, hey, it's a one-off in my hometown and I miss competing, so we're just going to do this? Have you heard any clarification on his plans? Well, I think it's kind of the middle of that. I haven't heard him say that he's you know, chasing the title necessarily, but I also know this isn't necessarily a one-off kind of fight. He's coming back. Because he's kind of rejuvenated, his body healed up, and you know he has a kid now, and he just kind of feels rejuvenated and wants to compete again. Uh, will he ever compete for a title again? I mean, you know, based on history and and what he was doing before he left the sport, I think that seems highly unlikely. But you never know. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like he's just back because he wants to be back. He wants to compete again, and so I don't think this is a one-off. But I don't know necessarily that he's trying to call out. You know the winner of Marlon Marais and uh, and uh, Henry Cejudo coming up. I think he just wants to fight. He wants to come back, and 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 that's what he's doing. Hey, let me ask you about Yoel Romero, who's won his lawsuit against the uh, supplement company for the tainted supplement that he that he took. He failed a drug test back in 2015. Now he wins a settle a judgment for 27.45 million dollars. But from everything I've read, nobody expects him to get that money. In fact, the company. Uh, I guess they're called Gold Star. Is not even communicated with a court or anything, which I guess that means they could go away. I don't. I'm not really sure. But how big of a deal is that? Because it seems to be a popular excuse, and I'm not. I'm not doubting that it was tainted. Obviously, there was evidence to say his was tainted. We've seen it in the John Jones situation. I feel like it's an easy fallback for a lot of fighters to say, "Hey, uh, I, I took a supplement, and that's what it was." 
how big of a deal is this just in terms of the ripple effect and how it impacts other fighters that have been accused of the same or have been penalized for something similar? Well, it's a big deal in the sense of, you know, proving Yoel's innocence in this particular instance because it's one thing to even have USADA say we found out it was a contaminated supplement and reduce the sentence when it comes to suspension, which is what Yoel had happened. He had a, you know, six-month suspension for the for the positive drug test after they figured out that he was a victim of a tainted supplement. But that's only one step. You know, going through this and actually suing, filing a lawsuit against the company who had the contaminated supplement – you know, it takes it a step further to say, you know, he's really trying to prove his innocence that he didn't cheat and he didn't knowingly cheat. And the fact that the company didn't even bother to come in and defend themselves and try to say, you know, hey, you know, our products are good or whatever, you know, kind of shows the guilt that they're, they're having that, you know, they probably were selling, you know, uh, bootleg supplements, so to speak. So, uh, you know, does it, you know, does it, does it change the game necessarily? No. But I think in Yoel's case, it helps out because for all the people that were saying, oh, he's a cheater and, you know, he steroids this and steroids that, and, you know, if you look at him and you say he's so ripped and muscular, he's got to be cheating. The fact that he went this far to back up his story and his claim to say, I wasn't cheating, shows something. Because even if he never sees a dime of that money, which there's a chance he doesn't, you know, he still had to put money and time into, into filing the lawsuit. I mean, lawyers don't come free. You know, the guys who are representing him in court and who are filing these briefs on his behalf, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they're getting paid to do it. So, you know, this is money and time out of his his schedule and out of his pocket to even file and go this far in the lawsuit. So I think it says a lot that he went this far and did this. Uh, And, again, I don't know that it's a game changer, but I think if you're a fighter and you're a victim of a supplement that is contaminated – you know, we've now seen a guy like Yoel Romero go out and file a lawsuit. A guy like Tim Means, who also did the same thing, he filed a lawsuit. You know, when you're willing to go that far to, to prove your innocence, I think it really says something about your character, that you're not a guy who's just going to slip away into the darkness and say, oh, yeah, well, I didn't do it. Uh, you know, these guys are out there to prove they didn't do it. Hey, let's talk about the card coming up this weekend. And a, and a guy on the undercard, I don't think you and I have ever discussed yet, he's been a name that's been around as a light heavyweight for a while, and for a while it looked like, he could be a guy to challenge John Jones or challenge Cormier when he was the champ, but just seems to fall short when, when he gets those opportunities to, to get to that spot. And I'm talking about Jimmy Manawa. What, what, what is your thought on him? I, I feel like he's a guy that, that he's got, obviously he's a very talented guy. He gets himself into high profile fights, but whether he's fighting Alexander Gustafson or he fights Anthony Johnson or anybody else that seems to have a name and, and lately it doesn't even have to be a, a big name. He loses. So I'm just curious, is he a guy, do you think, this mentally doesn't have what it takes to get over that hump, or is he just a guy who's got a big punch, but he's either going to get knocked out or he's going to knock somebody out, and that's just who he is? Yeah, I think it's the latter. You know, he's a guy who's a very exciting fighter. He kind of lives by the sword, dies by the sword, goes out and has exciting fights, gets some really brutal knockouts. And when you watch his knockout against Ovin St. Prue or you watch his knockout against Corey Anderson, he is a guy who is very capable of putting on those kind of highlight performances. But at the same time, he is a, you know, kind of go big or go home kind of guy. He doesn't really have that that other gear to go out there and just, you know, win a boring decision if that's what he has to do to win. You know, he's going to go out there and get into a firefight, and either he's going to burn you or you're going to burn him. Uh, so, yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. You know, I think people forget, you know, Jimmy is 39 years old. He was a late starter into the sport. He's a guy who loved fighting and didn't necessarily know how to fight professionally and then kind of got into it a little, a little later in life. 
Uh, he's come close a couple of times, kind of knocking on the door of title contention, but never really got that close. And, uh, yeah, he's just a fun guy to watch. He puts on exciting fights. He's a guy who's going to win a lot of bonuses, which is never a bad thing. And uh, and he's going to you know be entertaining. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's uh, he, he you know he, he kind of talked about you know when he had those two knockouts over Owen St. Pro and Corey Anderson, he talked about being in title contention. Never happened. And then he lost three in a row. He's lost his last three in a row, and it's obviously knocked him back a little bit. But when I talked to Jimmy earlier this week, what he told me was is he's out there to put on entertaining fights, and the reason why the UFC continues to put him in these high-profile situations is because he always goes out there and, and puts on entertaining, fun, highlight real kind of performances. And at this stage in his career, I think he's completely okay with that. Well, the card's being headlined by two guys who have an opponent. Their most recent opponent is the same guy, and that's John Jones beat Alexander Gustafson. Then he went and beat uh, Anthony Smith. And now these two are matching up with each other. And I'm just trying to figure out what exactly is on the line. I mean, obviously, they want their career to continue, make as much money, get as many wins as you can. But both of you have lost to the champ in your most recent fight. So it's hard for me to look at the winner of this fight and say, well, they're in line for a title fight. Just in terms of where it places them within the division, what does this fight mean? Well, it's it's basically relevance uh, to gatekeeper status of the uh, of the light heavyweight title. I mean, if you're Alexander Gustafson, you've lost to John Jones twice now. The second time, very definitively, the first fight was great. Second fight was not. I mean, it was a good fight, but John dominated him and then finished him in whatever it was the third or the fourth round with the TKO. So um, for Gustafson to get back to another shot at John Jones, it's going to take a lot. I mean, it's going to take a lot for him to get there. And it may just be a process of elimination because the light heavyweight division is so shallow that if he does rattle off like four or five big wins in a row, maybe they have to put him back in there because there's really not another option. Uh, But, yeah, so it's basically gatekeeper status to that number one contender. If you want to be a number one contender, you're going to have to go through the winner of this fight uh, because neither guy is going to shut John Jones right away. So that's really what's on the line. The guy you have to go through – to get to the champion, you know, kind of like, you know, what, what Santos was for a little while after he had lost to Kane Velasquez two times in a row. Uh, you know, Junior wasn't to get a shot at Kane, and so he kind of became the gatekeeper to the title shot. And so that's kind of what you got to look at here. The winner of this fight is still going to be in a good position in a very shallow division. The chances of him getting back to John Jones any time in the next year or two are probably pretty slim, but... Uh, you know, for the guys coming up, you know, the Corey Anderson's of the world, the, the Elir Latifi's of the world, the, uh, you know, the, the Dominic Reyes of the world. For those guys to get to John Jones, they're probably going to have to go through Augustuson or a uh, or a Anthony Smith. And so that's really what's on the line is, you know, it sounds terrible to say gatekeeper, like that's an insult. But really, that's the guy who's going to be the gatekeeper to the title. And, and for a while, at least until John Jones decides to finally test himself at heavyweight, uh, that's pretty much how these guys are going to be determined who fights him. How much damage did that loss do to Anthony Smith? There was so much hype going into this fight, and this is a guy, you know, he had some good wins going into it. Obviously, he beat Rashad Evans. He takes out Shogun Hua, uh, uh, Volkan Ozdemir. I mean, he, 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 he had some nice wins leading into that. And then, to me, that fight was an absolute no-show for him. And that's not to take anything away from John Jones, who seems to make a lot of people look like they're just they don't have many tools but he seemed lost I don't think he won a moment of that fight and I give him credit for sticking with the fight when he could have you know basically gotten Jones DQ'd on 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 the knee but 
outside of that, I walked away going, man, did he come up short. And I, I feel like he's got a lot more work, I guess, as you talk about being a gatekeeper. I don't. Does he even become a gatekeeper if he wins this fight? Because I feel like that, that loss was fairly damaging. Well, I think this is the real key this weekend because when you look at his wins at light heavyweight, you can say, well, Rashad Evans, you know, was past his prime and retired after that. You know, Shogun Hua is not the same guy he was before back in the prime days. So, you know, he, he beat a, you know, a guy who's probably past his prime at Shogun Hua. He beat Vulcan Ozdemir in a battle, but we've now seen Vulcan Ozdemir has lost three fights in a row. And he's not the guy who we thought was going to be, you know, a contender really in this division. He got mopped up by Daniel Cormier. He got, you know, obviously he got beat by Anthony Smith. And then he lost a close decision to Dominic Reyes. But Vulcan Ozdemir is no one anyone's looking at and saying, wow, he's a legit threat to John Jones. So he did. He did. And, and Anthony knows he did. Anthony knows he laid an egg against John Jones. He knows he had a huge opportunity and he went in there and basically didn't perform. And it's, it's eaten away at him for these past couple of months in that fight. I talked to him on day. That's basically what he told me. He's like, this fight is about showing up and performing. I didn't show up on Jones. So this is a big fight for him. If he can go out and beat, knock out, submit, whatever, Anthony, uh, excuse me, uh, Alexander Gustafson, it's a huge statement. It means that maybe he did just have an off night. Maybe he did just fail to show up as arguably the greatest fighter of all time. And, and, and again, that's not a bad thing. John Jones puts a lot of people in those positions. But if he goes out there and lays an egg again and doesn't show up or gets dominated by Alexander Gustafson, then everything he did before that kind of looks like smoke and mirrors. Then everyone's going to say, well, you beat a past-the-prime Rashad Evans. You beat a past-the-prime Shogun Hua. And you beat a guy who's not really that good in walking Ozemir. And then he lost two of the lead guys in the world. Then a guy we know is very good in Alexander Gustafson. So that's the key. This is a big moment for him. If he can win this fight, then a lot of what happened in that Jones fight goes away. It's just up to being John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time, and he's going to do that to a lot of people. I mean, there's a Daniel Cormier, who is, you know, one of, in my opinion, one of the top five fighters of all time, and John Jones, you know, did that to him twice. Yep. So, to John Jones, there's no shame in that. But the key for Anthony is to come back and show up in this fight, because if he doesn't show up in this fight, then everything he did before is going to be questioned. All right, last thing before I let you go, which way are you leaning in this fight? I, I, I feel like Gustafson is a guy that's got a lot more skill. Doesn't mean that, I mean, one punch changes everything, as we've seen. So Anthony Smith most certainly has a chance. But if I had my money to bet and if somebody forced me to, I'm leaning toward Gustafson. Which way do you go? Yeah, if I'm a betting man, I'm putting my money on Alexander Gustafson as well. But again, and I said this to somebody on Twitter earlier when they asked me my opinion on this said, listen, you know, for everyone talking about can Anthony Smith show up, there is also that question about Gustafson. I mean, when you look at his fight against Jan Blahovich, that was a really ugly fight. Uh, you know, he goes out there and has a great, phenomenal performance against Glover Teixeira and then, you know, kind of, you know, doesn't show up against John Jones and arguably he's fighting his entire career. So, you know, you wonder if Gustafson comes out there and he's gun-shy and Anthony Smith comes out there gunning for the knockout, it could be a really bad night for Gustafson. So, Again, if Gustafson shows up and he is his old self and he is looking like he did against Glover and like he did in some of his other big fights, then I think he wins. He's a more skilled fighter. He's a better striker, better ground guy, better overall fighter. But, again, if, he's hesitant, if he hesitates 
if he's gun shy, if he's if he's fighting off his back foot constantly, it could be a bad night for him. Great stuff as always, Damon. Damon Martin, you can catch his stuff at UFC.com. Also, if you're big into movies, TV shows, nerdcoremovement.com. He's the uh, owner and editor of that as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Damon Martin dot at Damon Martin on Twitter. Uh, Damon, always great to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for cutting out time as always. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. No problem. Thanks for having me.